Well, we are now into this uh, new series called the Grace Series, More Than We Deserve, Greater Than We Imagine, based on the book um, by Max Lucado. And uh, last week, we have seen uh, Dr. Raj talks about the grace-shaped life. And this week, I'm going to talk about, uh, he, he talked about grace-shaped life, then the four implications of a grace-shaped life. Today, I'm going to talk one of the aspects and highlight and then expand on it, how grace can flow through us. Then next week, Pastor Kofai will talk about the goodness gracious me. It's about how about some of this grace that can flow again. And last week, Dr. Raj started the sermon by mentioning about a notorious uh, doctor that he worked under. Can you remember? And then talk, and he mentioned about his colleagues. And I was just sitting down and thinking, what if it is not Dr. Raj? What about me? What if, if I encounter a superior or someone that is uh, so notorious? I'm going to respond. How will the grey-shaped life respond? And in the book by Max Lucado, he shared a story. I want to share with you a story about Victoria Ruvolo. In the evening, November evening 2004, she was driving home after attending a niece uh, recital, ready for a good night just to rest and chill. As she was driving at New York, and then there was an on- oncoming car. The car, there were a group of teenagers. Inside there, there was an 18-year-old boy called Ryan Gussing. Ryan Gussing leaned out of the window. He was carrying a frozen big turkey, at least 10 kg. And guess what? He just threw it at Victoria's car. It smashed through her windshield and then crashed through the, 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 the glass, bent the, the wheel, and then smashed over her head like a plate smashing onto the concrete wall. That violent prank left her helpless, grabbing of her life in the ICU. Let's see how she looked like in the ICU. And then she spent the one month there. Doctors say she has no much chances of living, but somehow, miraculously, she survived. She spent one month under induced a coma as a doctor so called rebuilt her face. And then they rewired her jaw affixed one of her eye with synthetic film and then bolted titanium plates on her skull so that she can look normal. It's a miracle she survived. She can't look at the mirror today without being reminded of the hurt. How is she going to face life? How is she going to face driving again on the dark road? How is she going to face um, a turkey without being reminded? How is she going to face Ryan Gersing? The guy who threw the turkey on her. I couldn't imagine how I would respond to such a horrific, horrific uh, prank on wow. Maybe today is, you are not hit by a turkey, but you have met one. You have married one. You have worked for one. You got left by one. You got injured by one. You were smeared by one or you are irritated by another one. So where do you turn to under such circumstances? Do you turn to a pity party? Or do you turn to a revenge party? Or do you turn to www.hitman.com and find way? Our natural tendency is to demand justice and execute it. Why? Because retaliation has its appeal. But Jesus has a better idea. His disciples asked the same questions. 
Lord, somebody injured me. Somebody hurt me. How many times must I forgive that person? And Jesus told a story. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. I'd like us to turn to the Bible, to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you have the Bible, Matthew 18. If not, they just look up the screen. Let me just read for you. Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times. Seven times, that's a lot already because it's continually seven times, a complete number. That's a lot. But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, it's numerous times. And he told the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, the man owned him 10,000 talents, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The, master's, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But that servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owned him 100 denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into the prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went to told, told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant. He said, I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owned. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Jesus told this story. And in this story, you can see two contrasting figures, characters. One is the master, which is a magnanimous heart. And the other one with the servant, one where it's forgiven, but don't fully appreciate and understand the master's forgiveness. The contrast of this is to illustrate what? Islam is totally absurd for a person who has fully experienced God's grace and forgiveness and refused to let it flow to other people. And here, we can learn what it means from the king or the master's heart, a picture of forgiveness of grace. Three things that you have to do. Three things that when you are wrong and when you are snapped, when you are hurt, three things that you can do. And here, I'm not talking about the big, injury, like what happened to Victoria Rivolo. I'm not just talking about this. I'm also talking about so-called daily snubs, daily mistreatments, things that, that they are passing through our lives daily. It's going to affect us unless we have a forgiving spirit. These three things I've mentioned just now, you see in that verse there, is that the master took pity, the 
the master cancelled the debt and the master let him go. I'm going to look at these three things, but not in, the, this, in this particular order. Let's look at the first one. The first one is what? The master cancelled the debt. He cancelled the debt. He refused to take revenge. He refused to make the person pay the emotional debt, but he paid it down himself. What does the amount of the debt? The amount of the debt is 10,000 talent. Okay, today's term. What do you mean? At that time, the average people earn one talent a year. So 10,000 talents means that it takes him how long? 10,000 years. How many lifetimes? Imagine if you work for 40 years, that's 250 lifetime in order to pay. It was an enormous. So if today's term, if you earn 30,000 a year, multiply that by 10,000 years, that's 300 million. That's how much the servant owned the master. And at the time, the, 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 the revenue of Galilee, the region, is only probably just 300,000. Oh, sorry, 300 talents. And now we are talking about 10,000. That's enormous. Why Jesus used such an enormous amount? It's basically also to illustrate how much you and I own God. You may say, I owe God? I don't borrow money from God. What do I owe Him? Am I in debt with, to God? You see, God created us. And He has His intention, He has His plan and purpose for us. Based on who He is, based on His plan. And He spells out the expectation He has for us in the law. So every time we break the law, we sin against God, it was an offence against God, offence against His intentions. And that is what is called the debt of sin, the sin debt. Everyone owns it to God because all of us have sinned and all of us are born a sinner. And Jesus equates these sins as what? As a legal debt against God. So just like the servant, our debt towards God is enormous, humongous, and the penalty is eternal death. No one can fully pay it. Similarly, as much as it is God, with human level also, when somebody sins against you, somebody offends you, somebody hurts you, they also took away something belongs to you. It could be your reputations, it could be your innocence, it could be your belonging, part of your body or your possessions. They owe you something. And beside these things, they owe you, they also owe you an emotional debt. An emotional debt of pain. You feel it. You feel the pain when someone hurt you or offended you. That's the debt of pain. So what is our natural response? Cut them back. Lah. Let's be honest. When you inflict pain on people who have pained you, it feels good. Trust me. I've done it. It feels good for a while. Yes, it feels good. But the scary thing is that though some of this emotional pain goes away, some goes away when you make people pay by inflicting pain on them, and sometimes you will feel better. However, you have been twisted. You have been warped. You have been melted by the evil down to you. You have been so-called misshaped by bitterness. And if you continue this way, your life is going to go down a wrong track that's going to hurt you ultimately. Let me pause here to talk. 
I'm not talking about not taking legal redress when you are wrong, that you should not take legal redress. There is a place for that. In fact, Paul did that. When Paul was wrongly jailed, what did he do? He let it go? No, he, he, he met the jailer and said, Hello, you caned me, you whipped me wrongly, you jailed me. And when, when he was wrongly accused, what did Paul do? Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. There was a place for that. But I'm not talking about this legal redress. I'm talking here about the emotional debt of pain. You notice here, Jesus illustrated by, through the story about the king. When the king cancelled the debt, the debt didn't just go off into thin air. He absorbed it. He ate it. It is hard. It had to be done. The debt didn't just go away by ignoring it. He paid it himself. So So it is with us when we deal with people that hurt us. Every time you refuse, you want to rehash a past with a person, but you don't. It hurts you. Every time you want to rub that person's nose, but you don't, it hurts you. Every time you want to be cold to them, instead, you try to be warm with them, it hurts you. Every time you have a chance to run them down, somebody else, but you don't, it hurts. Every time you see them prospering and then you think that in your mind, how I wish you would make mistake and then lose more money, but you don't, it hurts you. Why? Why it hurts so much? Because it is costly. It is costly to take revenge. You are making the payment. And guess what? If you refuse to revenge of any sort, the interesting thing is that slowly the anger, slowly the bitterness will go away. It depends on the size of the wrong. To some, it can take a few days, some a few weeks, some a few months, some it will take even longer. But if you pay the debt down yourself, it goes down. If you absorb it, you refuse to go, take revenge, it will ultimately go away and then you are free. It has not taken you up. You have not worked itself out in your life. You have not been misshaped by bitterness. Instead, you are a free person, shaped by grace. That's what the master did. First, the master cancelled the debt. Second thing, the master was moved with compassion. It said in NIV, move with pity. Actually, the better translation is compassion. There's a great word there. It's called splashnizomine. In other words, a person has moved in his gut, in his, in his emotions, as so much for the misery of someone else's misery. He's so moved by it. The master looked at the servant. Okay, I know you owe me a lot of debt. And to pay back, I have to sell you away. Not just you, your wife also gone. Your children also gone. Your possession, everything, I have to be sold. And even after I sell you, I'm not enough. But legally, it is the right thing to do. But he feels the misery of his servant. And he refused to take that actions. How about us today? If we want to have a grey-shaped life, how can we have compassion for people who hurt us? I was reading to uh, a sermon by Tim Keller, and he shared this about how can we grow in compassion. Very interesting concept here. He said, focus on the commonalities 
rather than the differences between you and the person that have hurt you. He said, when someone wrongs us, the first thing we do is to create a caricature of them in our mind. You have seen a caricature, a cartoonist caricature? What do they do? Okay, they want to make the person look stupid, right? They will take the worst feature and then they make it so big you cannot not see it. Example, this one. You cannot not see his ear. And this is one dimension. Very one dimension. When someone wrongs us, that's exactly what we do in our hearts. We reduce them to what they have done. We see them as caricature one dimensions. When they lie, you say they are a liar, a perpetual liar. When they betray you, they are always a betrayer. When they cheat, they are always a cheater. Always, always, always. However, when you lie, you say, oh, that's different. I'm complex. I got a lot of mitigating circumstances. I do a lot of good things too. That's why I'm complex. I'm three dimension. But you put the other person as one dimensions. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because deep down in every human being, there is a deep desire for us to justify ourselves. We are afraid that we are not okay. We are afraid that we are not valuable. We are afraid that we are not worthy. So deep down, this fear will create this need to justify ourselves that we have to put ourselves, look at the differences, put ourselves on a higher place. So whenever someone wrongs you, you will think of ways how you are not like the other person. You will say things like, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. You need to feel noble. You need to feel better. You need to feel superior. But if you want to have compassions, then the focus is not on the differences, but on the commonality of humanity. You may say, I'm a weak person. This person is a weak person. I do stupid things. Not the same stupid thing that the person did, but I also do stupid things. I'm fallible. I'm weak. I'm confused. I'm a mixture of both good and evil. So is this person. When you do that, then you are able to feel for the other person. Then you will get that freedom. Then you can be set free. And it's, I was thinking about myself. Can I share any stories or any illustrations to uh, illustrate these two points about me giving um, forgiveness to others? Then I think, uh, better not. Because I'm a recipient of a lot of people's grace and a lot of people's mercy. Let me share with you one. One of those grace, because I've lived my life long enough to hurt many people and people have forgiven me a lot of time here in this church especially. I want to share with you one of my... Uh, Yes, one of the wrongdoing that I've done and how people have forgiven. Back then, many years ago, I was a young staff of Campus Crusade. I was young, zealous, enthusiastic, but very immature and naive. I was one of the promoted to one of the section leaders. There are several section leaders, senior people in, our, in the ministry. And then our main leader, he also got promoted. So they had to replace. So among the section leader, one of them was chosen to replace, to become the main leader. Let's call this person Adam. Okay, not his real name, let's call Adam. So Adam was promoted. Adam is one of our good friends. In fact, Adam was one of my mentors too. I look up to him. But we all don't like this choice. 
of Adam being the main leader over these sections. We felt he's not the writer. This, we are talking about the Great Commission, the work of God here. This person is not made for it. So we just continued the ministry for half a year, and then one year, and then I've said, I cannot tahan anymore. Cannot, cannot. The ministry is going the wrong direction. A few of us section leaders came together, and then we began to... The nice word is discuss. Another word is called plot, his downfall. So we came together, we list down all the reasons why Adam shouldn't be the main leaders, and then we won't pray about it because this is God's work. We pray about it, I felt no, no. We didn't talk to Adam, we bypassed him. We go straight to Adam's head. And we tell Adam's head, you make the wrong choice. Adam shouldn't be right there. These are the reasons we have prayed, and this is why. It's a vote of non-confidence to Adam. And then the leader, when he heard this, the leader was furious. What are you guys doing? Unfortunately, the readers had to tell Adam about it. Adam was devastated. Devastated, betrayed by the people who cared for him. Betrayed by his followers. He cannot continue on leading. After a while, he asked for transfer. He moved on. Another leader came. And then, I came to my senses. What a stupid thing that I've done. What? What was I doing? In fact, I wasn't thinking. So I went to Adam and said, Adam, I'm very sorry. I know I've hurt you. Uh, that was the wrong thing to do. Please forgive me. Adam was very gracious. Adam forgave me and allowed me to continue to move on. And a few others. And recently, I catch up with Adam after many years. And I say, Adam, I'm just curious. How were you feeling then? <laughs> now that it's many years already, what was going through your mind when all these things happened? He said, it was the lowest point of his life. Low, 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 way lower than anything personal thing. It was really, he totally lost confidence to lead. I said, then what helped you? He said, I went to the zoo. Huh? He went to the zoo. Yeah, I got a free pass going to the zoo. So he went to the zoo, and then he saw this particular animal there. And this animal was shaking his head once in a while because there was another plant, the leaves was flowing down, and then the plant so-called blocked his, his, his sight. And then he shake, 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 the thing go on, and then they come back again. And then shake, 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 the thing go on. Yeah. And then keep, this was going on for a while. And then he see, then I got the picture. The animal was created by God. The plant was created by God. The plant is good. The animal also good. But somehow they, got, they irritate one another. He see himself like the animal and we... He didn't say that, but I know that. I'm the plant. <laughs> I'm the plant. He don't look at the differences. That the plant is evil. He look at the common. Both are created by God. He said the best thing is just to move away. Long. So they move away and they irritate one another. But he said he was able to forgive because he see from that perspective. And therefore, he was able to forgive. And that same thing also. If you want to develop compassion, upon people that have hurt you, people that have disappointed you, the key is to put as common level, not as superior, so that it do not distort you. First, there's a need to cancel that debt. Secondly, move with compassion. Compassion. Thirdly, the master, the king, let him go. Let him go. You may say, huh? Let him go, the king... Let him go. What about justice? What about truth? 
the story didn't mention how did the servant lost 300 millions of dollars. Okay. And the master was doing the rightful thing. Make him pay. But he did not. He cancelled his debt. But yet that guy, the master didn't pursue further about his negligence, about his corruptions, how he lost that 30, 300 million. He just let him go. What of a magnanimous heart it is. However, there's a twist to the story. The first servant went out and he saw, he met a second servant. The second servant owned him what? 100 denarii. Okay? How? Today's term is probably a few thousand dollars. So what is a few thousand dollars compared to 300 million? It's, 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 it is chicken feet. It is very little. It is very little compared to that. And if you look at the parable, what did the servant did? What did the servant do? The servant grabbed, the first servant grabbed the second servant and then choked him and said, pay me back. No money, you go to jail until you pay me the last cent. What do you see? This man, no mercy, no compassion, no cancellation of debt. What did the king see? The king see this is a vile man, this is a vicious man, this is a violent man, this is an oppressive man, this is a man who is so used to abusing other people. And you sit down there and you think, how can this man be so heartless? Before you go further and judge this man, Jesus told this story as a mirror into our hearts to show this is what we look like if we refuse to let grace and mercy flow through us to other people. This is what we look like. And you look at this and say, wow, this is difficult. How am I going to do this? How can I avoid being the first servant? How can I let grace flow through me to people who annoy me, disappoint me, people who hurt me, the key is in verse 33. Let me read to you. The master said, Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? The focus is about the master's mercy on the enormous debt for him. What the master did was ridiculous. Actually, if you look carefully at this story, this story, the master or the king is pointing to another king another master. And the key is in this word called compassion. Splechni zomain. And this word here is used of Jesus Christ more than any word in describing His emotional life. It is used more of Jesus Christ than any other people in the Bible. This is His word in the New Testament. This is His words in the Gospel. We need to behold this king who became a servant, the ultimate king. Christ didn't think that we might cost him his glory and power. Christ knew that we would definitely cost him his glory and his power, yet he came, he identified with us, he died on the cross. You know what is the last word he said on the cross before he passed away? He said, Tetelestai, Greek. English translated as, it is finished. But 
the literal translation of that word is what? It is paid. Means what? The debt paid. The debt towards God paid by His life. He paid it for you. He paid it for me. And then I read another story to help to bring this home, personalize this. This story, it's about a couple. The wife is an elderly couple. The wife is extremely uh, sick, could not do anything. The husband attend to her. Everything, everything, literally everything. Bathe her, feed her, everything. She was completely immobilized. And he was just there round the clock for her. And yet he was so buoyant and sparkling that everywhere he goes, people to ask. People notice it in the homes, in the parks, in the in the people notice the buoyancy about this husband, this old man. And somebody asked him this How can you be so long suffering? What's the secret here? How do you do this? Ah, then the husband replied, You know, the reason you are amazed at what I do is because you don't understand the whole story, the big story. You have to realize that for years and years and years, I was the one who got sick. I was the one who, got, who was overlooked. I was the one who was traveling. She was the one that was suffering for me. She sacrificed so much for me. All the years, and it's really ridiculous. And now, I'm almost happy. I have this tiny little opportunity to show her what she means to me. And I'm very happy to do that. If you took this old man, and then you so-called look at his sacrifice out of context, and you see that, you might think that, oh, he got no life. He just had to attend to his wife for the rest of his life. He got no life. No, he did not. He put his story, little story of so-called inconvenience, into a larger story about his wife's commitment to him. And he found the strength in the same way. When you put the inconvenience of your life, when you put the hurts in your life, when you put the disappointment in your life, people do it. In the larger story of what God has done, not just for the whole world, but for you, personally. And the story brings it home and will give you the ability to cancel the debt, ability to have compassion, ability to just let it go. When you see at the cross the debt that was written, you see your lie, you see your betrayer, you see your sin written one by one and you see Christ there say, it is paid. You personalize it from the head into your heart. The more you person, the more you feel it, the more you appreciate, the more you will be changed, the more your life will change forever. And that's how grace can flow to you. And that's how you can able to forgive, forgive other people. Let me I start the story, the, the sermon with Victor, Victoria Rivalo. Let me end with her story a bit. Victoria Rivalo did just that. She put her story into a bigger story. Nine months after the disastrous November night, she stood with her face, titanium bolted face. That's how she looked like. That's how she looked like now. And then she faced her offender at court. Ryan Gushing was no longer the cocky, turkey-tossing teenager. He was trembling, apologetic, tearful. 
And the room was packed. And the judge gave the sentence. Only six months in prison, five years probations, some counselling and public service. The whole place erupted. People objected. How can he be let go so easily? Everybody ex- objected except one person, Victoria Bivolo. Why? Because the reduced sentence was her idea. She appealed to the judge for a reduced sentence for her. She cancelled his emotional debt towards her, physical debt towards her. She cancelled it. It was her idea. And then she did something even more miraculous. She walked over to Ryan and she held him tight and she stroked his hair. Ryan was sobbing and she said this, I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. And then she said this, I took him from being a terrible ogre monster and make him human. That's all we need. Just take a step back. No differences just commonality. That gives her the compassions that she can able to embrace Ryan. And then, she allowed grace to shape her response. She framed her story in God's big story. She said this, God gave me a second chance at life and I pass it on. If I have not let go that anger, I'll be consumed by this need for ang- revenge. Forgiving him helped me to move on. When you let it go, you will see how free you feel. That's what a God, grace-shaped life is all about. And then her mishap led her to a mission. She began to volunteer, giving talks to people in the prison in various places. She said, I'm trying to help others, but I know for the rest of my life, I'll be known as the turkey lady. But then she cracked another joke. It could be worse. Ryan could have thrown me a ham. Then I'll be Miss Piggy. She's free. Because she has been shaped by grace instead of shaped by bitterness. Imagine how your life would be like if you understand and feel the enormous debt of sin that you owe to God's God being written off your heart. And then you let that grace and mercy flow from you to your friends, to your family members, to your colleagues, to your teammates, to the people around you. Imagine all of us do that in this church. What kind of church it will be? What kind of community it will be? And that's what it can be. That's what grace flowing through our lives looks like. And I believe today, some of you seated down here need to be reminded again about God's mercy for your enormous debt. You may not feel forgiven. God say, it is cancelled. For some of us today, find it hard to let go. You may realize that actually you do not fully understand and appreciate God's grace for you. And some of you today, I believe, there are some individuals that poke into your life, irritates you or hurts you. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. I invite the musicians to come forward. Let us just bow our heads. Close our eyes sometime between you and the Lord for a while. I'd like us to just come before the Lord and in God, thank you. Thank the Lord 
for the your personal enormous debt that was paid. You may not feel forgiven, but God said, it is paid. It is finished. And be reminded again, it is your sins that kept Christ at the cross. some of you today you need to let it go there are people who have hurt you disappoint you irritate you you need to let it go I want to pray for you if you feel that God is speaking to you today about certain individuals who have done certain things to you that you find difficult to let it go can you just raise your hand and I'll pray with you anyone yes yes Yes, yes, put it down anymore. And those of you who raised your hands, I'm going to pray for you. And later on, during the response songs, if you still want to be continue to be prayed for, I invite you to come to the altar and we will continue to pray with you. Let us pray together. Lord, Thank you. Thank you for what you have done. There's no way we can fully imagine, we can fully understand the enormous debt we owe you. But yet God, today help us to have just a little bit more glimpse in our hearts what it means to be forgiven by you, to have our sin cancelled. And Lord, you've seen the hands of those who have been raised, brothers and sisters. You, you know they are hurt, you know they are pain because you were betrayed yourself when you became like one of us. You understand their pain. I pray that today you will help them to let go of this pain, to pain it all and to let grace flow no matter how difficult it is so that God, they will not be misshaped by bitterness anymore but rather they are shaped by your mercy. Therefore, Father, come. Come and touch their hearts come and touch them fully so that they can let your grace flow. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Shall we rise and just sing this song as an act of worship to God to thank you. Thank you. Again, the altar is open. Those of you who want to continue to be to be prayed for, feel free to just come forward. Amazing grace.
your mercy upon us oh Lord I pray today you will help us right now to extend the same mercy the same grace to the people around and when we fail to do that when we find difficulty bring us back to the cross again bring us back again but it means that, that God you hung on the cross from us thank you Lord thank you in Jesus most precious name Amen
Amen.